0: You're listening to Quintilian, the Latin Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sellers. My guest today is Ms. Dawn Lafon. Dawn has a bachelor's degree from the University of Memphis and a master's degree from the University of Washington. She's been teaching Latin at White Station High School in Memphis since 1988. A national board certified teacher, Dawn has worked extensively with the Advanced Placement Latin Program, and she wrote the foreword for book two of the Latin for the New Millennium textbook series. Over the course of her long and distinguished career in education, she's been recognized with a number of prestigious awards, including the Teacher of the Year Award from the Tennessee Foreign Language Teaching Association, an Awateo from the Classical Association of the Middle West and South, and the Merita Award from the American Classical League. Dawn, welcome to Quintilian. Thanks for being well, here.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, normally we would see each other in person probably three or four times a year. I don't think we've seen each other in person since the pandemic started, have we?
1: No, no. Haven't seen many people in person since (laughs) the pandemic started, but I'm very glad to be back in person in the classroom, I'll have to say. Last year was tough teaching through a computer screen I really really missed it and I apologize I don't know why my cat is yelling but I will just he'll stop in a second
0: no apology necessary it just adds to the charm of the podcast on this is a a real life conversation we're not in a a a sanitized studio or anything we're just uh living our own regular lives yeah so I wanted to start with, with AP because you've worked so extensively in that area. You've been an AP reader, a table leader. You were the co-author of an official AP Latin teacher's manual. You've been a member of the exam development committee. You've developed an online module for helping students improve their reading skills. When did you first start working with the AP program?
1: Uh, it was 1991. And uh, they asked me to to be a reader, and and I went. At that time, we were at the College of New Jersey in Trenton, New Jersey. And, uh, and you know, as you know, because you were one of the very fine readers that I had in my room when I was a table leader, uh, it was just such a wonderful group of people. And uh, I will have to say that the the way that the standards are set for the AP Latin exam and the way that the grading is carried out, it was really just as fair a process as I had ever seen. And um, I was very impressed with it and happy to do whatever they asked me to do. Um, you know, uh, it just, every, every experience I had with um, ETS and the AP Latin community was just the high, one of the highlights of my career.
0: In the spring of 2008, the College Board made something of a surprise announcement concerning the termination of the AP Latin Literature Program. At least that surprised me. Did that surprise you as well?
1: Oh, it did. It surprised all of us. We were on the people on the development committee. We got to work that morning and we had an email saying you have to be on a conference call at 3 p.m. And that's all we got. And So we all got on the conference call at 3 p.m. And they said, we are cutting the exam from two to one. uh, And it will be online in 30 minutes. And so we had 30 minutes notice ahead of everyone else. So it was a big surprise. It really was.
0: Did they give you any type of explanation?
1: Uh, Just, they were, uh, you know, they were redoing really the, the whole AP strategy and everything and um, uh, Latin is one of the smaller exams and so uh, they uh, that that was just that they didn't give a very much detail at all the decision had already been made by the trustees and and there was um, the, it was a final decision so we had quite a monumental, task ahead of us to try to create a new exam, uh, that would, uh, fit the, the um, the needs of the current classroom situations of so many people. And, uh, you know, people were used to having two AP Latin exams and were, were extremely angry about it. And, uh, I, I you know, and it was, we, we had several forums where we had to, talk about what was going to happen. Uh, and it, 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 it was tense. I, I'm not going to lie to you. But I can tell you the group of people that gathered to, to create the exam, we did it with a great deal of thought and care. And it, every decision we made, part of the discussion was, what's this going to mean for the teacher? Uh, how, how is the teacher going to be able to prepare her, his or her students Uh, to do this exam and and the text we chose we have quite and 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 i'm glad you're that we're talking about this because we in 2008 uh we had a gathering of 50 college professors from all over the united states i mean from heart i know we had one from harvard um we had them uh, all the california i think we had one from stanford but we um very very thoughtful discussion about what did they want on the exam and they said with all practicality that they they really wanted and I and I thought this was a good point they wanted a prose author because they were getting students who had um come into the their college classrooms with a uh, much but really hardly any prose experience. So we, um, that was the first thing was to decide which prose author. And it was decided that it would be Julius Caesar, which um, at the time um, I I was, well, we were just all reeling. And there, as far as the poetry went, there was absolutely no question. I mean, it was gonna be virgil from the get go. Everyone truly agreed on that. The pros had more discussion, but the final analysis, and again, these college professors putting their two, their, their two denarii in, let's say, um, that Caesar would possibly be uh, the better choice. So then we had to read through all the works of Caesar, uh, the De Bello Gallico and the De Bello Kiwile and um, had to decide which, um, which segments to put on that exam. And I'll be honest with you, I never thought I would read the whole works of Julius Caesar in this lifetime, but I did. <laughs> and so um, it, it, it was a long complicated process and I, and I can tell you there were truly good people trying to do the best that we could for our profession.
0: Do you remember the other prose authors who were sort of on the table under consideration at the time?
1: Well, mainly it was a discussion between Caesar and Cicero. Okay. And uh, as much as I love Cicero, and I do, God bless him, uh, I I really could not see having half of an AP exam based on uh, like the first Catalinarian. Our, you know, the, the 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 major works of his, with as long and drawn out as the sentence structure was,
0: right? Because there was an AP Cicero option for a few years yes. under the AP Latin Literature program, right. and I remember from those readings that I attended back in those years, it was a very small number of students who usually chose that that option.
1: Yes, uh, with the Pro right? And,
0: and
1: and it was, and uh, so. We, um, we really were trying to give an overall experience in high school that would have a student very well prepared to take a college course. Okay. That was so, our objective.
0: So we've had the Virgil Caesar syllabus now for eight or nine years, I think.
1: Yeah, What's it started 2013.
0: Okay. So what yeah. what mm-hmm. what type of feedback have you received from people, from teachers over the years about about the syllabus?
1: I think they liked it better than they thought they would
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh you know there uh as the Virgil part I mean there's some parts of the Virgil that oh I wanted to leave in so badly and, and we just could not do it we had a very specific amount of material that we could put in so we had to um do we had to make some very you know careful choices uh, the Caesar, I, I was, you know, I, th- that got more uh, opposition. And I know one of, the se- one of the seminars that I presented, uh, this teacher comes up to me and says, uh, I teach at an all-girls school. How do you expect me to teach my students about, why do you think my students would be interested in war? And I said, well, do you think they're interested in peace? because if they're interested in peace, then they would probably need to be, they would probably need to know a little bit of at least something about war. And so um, I think Caesar has really grown on me. I mean, to the, every time I read it, I see um, new evidence of just what a brilliant political strategist he was and how uh, it was, you know, Omnia facienda, what is it? Caesarius, all, th- all things must be done by Caesar. Just the the underlying uh, political power grab that is just in every chapter of of that is. Um, it, it, there's so many modern day parallels worldwide, nationwide, statewide. Um, I, I have I have found it quite interesting.
0: Well, if you look at the debate that happens in book five, especially in the camp with Sabinus and Ambiorix, yeah. and it's interesting how you have someone who is in a minority position who really mm-hmm. wins that debate because he, ha- he makes the most noise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he yeah. has a kind of a, this charismatic, outgoing personality. And uh, there, like you say, there are plenty of very interesting parallels to modern day American politics. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and just, uh, you know, about, you know, what's good information, what, what, what's what information can you really believe in everything, which is certainly very much a modern day parallel to politics. politics.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's, uh, let's go back uh, to your first experiences with Latin. Is it true that your mother made you take Latin against your will?
1: Yes, yes, it's true. And uh, as you know, um. Very sadly, she um, uh, passed away at the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, we very have, sorry about that, Dawn. And thank you, and I appreciate it. Um, it, it it's been tough, but um, the um, we we have this courtyard at White Station that they were funding by selling bricks, and I bought a brick in her memory, and it says "In memory of Virginia Lafon, he made Dawn take Latin." <laughs> Yeah, so she did because she said that it was, and she, of course she was absolutely right. It was gonna help me with whatever I wanted to do. And that if I didn't, if I hated it, I could quit after a year, but that I had to take a year. And it was, um, I, of course I loved it and kept on with it. And I will say, I wish parents would follow her good example because it's very rare when one of, when one of my students gets into Latin, as I would, I'm sure it is with your students, that they don't end up liking it much more than they thought they would, and really getting into it. But right. the, it's the initial get on, getting them in there, that um, is is where we all struggle.
0: So that was in the ninth grade.
1: Yeah, when you first started,
0: and that was yeah. at East High School.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What was East like in those days?
1: It, it was a uh, it was a good school. You've really been doing your research. I got to give you credit here uh, the, um, it, it was, um, it, it was the, well, E.H. Crump had built it to be the premier school of the state, of the whole state of Tennessee, you know, beautiful, beautiful building, uh, it, it was, um, it, it was segregated, it was in the 60s and the early 70s, and, uh, we had, you know, we had a Latin teacher and two Spanish teachers and a French teacher, but, um, it was Is high school then was was real it was you know it's like everything else it was different and it was the same uh it was very very different as far as uh the um the way the classroom behavior i mean you were expected to behave and if um in in class and be extremely respectful and really not question anything very much it's you know just do what you're told the teacher told you to do as far as your assignments and uh were concerned uh it was um you know i certainly my, my best friend from third grade we uh we went through latin together we went through high school together a whole bunch of us who still keep in touch and um so there was that camaraderie and everything uh the subject matter was really you know was pretty much the same now again we only had french and spanish and latin and uh there were there were no asian languages or anything like that but um there was a great deal of emphasis on science and on math and on uh being able to uh write excellent essays
0: who is your teacher there
1: uh terrence wilkerson
0: okay. and
1: uh a he, he was an excellent teacher I thoroughly enjoyed his class but it, it was all it was very much uh you know a translation grammar based class sure. which is what all the Latin classes were then sure mm-hmm.
0: so when you went to college did you have the intention of becoming a Latin teacher when you first entered
1: no oh not at all you know and not the teaching was the farthest thing from my mind my grandmother told me now my mother made me take Latin, but my grandmother told me uh that i could be anything i wanted to be but that we uh that she had to know that i would always have to have a way that i was always have a way to earn my own living and that the world was always going to need teachers so for her I would have to get a teaching certificate that did not mean I had to teach but that just for her peace of mind I had to get a teaching certificate so I did and you know once I walked into the classroom as a student teacher I mean it was just like yeah this is this is for me I have I have compared it it really is strong a call as people describe a call to the ministry it was that strong a call for me to be a teacher I I knew that I was supposed to teach
0: uh, I had a wonderful colleague and mentor um, at Houston High School, Andre a friend, a French teacher, and he always said that teaching was really more of a vocation than a profession.
1: Yes, I, I believe that. Uh, I am, um, you know, and, and we, we, we just play so many roles for our students. Um, I, I just, on September the 11th, I had a former student uh, send me a message about that he remembered being in my class on that day. And that, um, that we were all, that how I had said, um, when it happened and, and they walked in and I, I said, uh, if you're a religious person at all, you need to pray for the souls of the people who've passed away. You need to pray for their families and you need to pray for the people who did this horrible deed. And I mean, you know, he told me, he said that he said, you know, that made such an impression on me that in that time of of such great anguish that that you said that and uh, in a time of such fear and hate, you said we had to pray for everyone. And he said he just, you know, that that had gotten him through some very difficult times in his life, which. I mean, I, that, that's the time when you realize, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, right. and you're, you're grateful that you, you were there.
0: Okay. So you, I know you started at White Station in 1988. Where were you teaching before then?
1: Kingsbury High School.
0: Okay. Starting and, in what year? Uh,
1: 1979. Okay. And um, I, I still, I still uh, keep in touch with some students from Kingsbury. I very much enjoyed it. Uh it was um I had gotten my master's at the uh, University of Washington and in 19 in the spring of 1988, I truly I was sitting out in the front yard pulling up nutgrass, you know, a good southern thing to do in the summer. And uh my mother came to the door, and this was of course before cell phones or anything, and said, Do you have a telephone call? And I went in and this person from the Board of Education said, you can never tell anyone you got this call, but Evelyn Mills is retiring and you're the, they want you to come to White Station to teach. And my whole life changed with that one phone call. So
0: So for the benefit of, the, of our listeners who are not familiar with the school, can you just describe White Station?
1: Well, I'd, I'd say, I always say, I start out by saying White Station is, is a true triumph of the human uh, human spirit. It's, it's the people in it that make it such a fine school. It is what we call, we have an optional program that um, is uh, a college preparatory program. And we have about 19 AP classes. Uh, and we have, um, we uh, have year in and year out, almost every year I've been there, if we haven't produced the most national merit scholars in the state, we've been number two. And um, it's just, uh, it's, I, I tell people it's a, it's a, who are coming in, I say, it's a good place with good people. You're in a good place with good people. We have a strong emphasis on academics, uh, but with being a public high school, we have a the really, again, we have probably, I would think the most diverse student body in the state and whatever a child wants to do, there's a, there's a place for them at White Station. And we, uh, we are totally dedicated to making sure that um, they're, when they, when, how, whatever venue they go to when they leave us, whatever type of career that they are headed for, That we have prepared them well and and we really have been very successful and i'm just very very proud to have been a part of the community for so long
0: i came out to white station and spent a day with you a number of years ago do you remember that
1: uh vaguely uh
0: okay right uh it would have been probably 1997 1998 i was taking a, a language methods class Mm-hmm. And I think the instructor at the time was named Maggie Lee. I believe she was the yes. language supervisor for Memphis yeah. City Schools, and mm-hmm. she she asked me to go out and spend a day with you. And uh, I observed your class. I remember you taught I a Latin one class. I observed. And I remember mm-hmm. you were on the Geta chapter of Eka Romani the runaway slave chapter. Yeah. I observed, uh, I think, one of your AP classes. I observed Joanne Houghton teaching etymology. I observed Eric Foster teaching, I think, a Latin three class, some lesson on Cicero. Yes, yes. And at the time, I, uh, you really made an impression on me because the three of you were very different, but you seemed to complement each other really well. You seem to work really well together, and you seem to be a, sort of all going in the same direction in terms of your goals for the program
1: yeah, I, I, I get, it is, it's a very diverse student body, it was, it's a very diverse faculty, and, and you did pick up on that, we were very uh, different types of people, and, and different types of teaching personalities, but we, we made sure that we worked together, made sure that the students were gaining as much mastery as they could of the Latin vocabulary, and of, of Latin grammar and also getting a real appreciation for Roman history and Western civilization, its effect on Western civilization. And so it's, um uh, it, 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 I have been very, very lucky to have excellent colleagues, Joanne and Eric, uh, Ed Long, you know, more recently, Reagan Ryder and Elizabeth Moats and Laura Hutchison. And then, um, so uh, it's just, and currently Sam Nade, a for former, uh, former student uh, Abby Simone is, is with me now. So um, I, you know, I really did, I, I have to say that I, I was supposed to be a lawyer. I mean, you know, that was the get-go when I was there. Oh yeah, you're going to be a lawyer. But um, when I got into teaching, because I really liked it and, but I would think, oh gosh, I probably should, go to law school but you know latin teachers are the most incredible people i don't know that there are nicer people or more interesting people on this earth and i'm including you and and trey and Marilyn and all your colleagues there and and finally i was just like why when i really like all these people and i like the work you know why so i i just stayed a latin teacher
0: So when you think back to yourself uh, as a a brand new teacher at Kingsbury, then at White Station, if you could go back and give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself?
1: You are doing the right thing. And uh, you you are making a difference in the lives of your students. Relax. Don't be so hard on yourself. And and enjoy. uh, Enjoy this the wonderful life i had ahead of you because and it, it truly has been absolutely wonderful I have enjoyed it uh so much you know I, I would laugh some I would have a friend say make some comment about being bored at their job and I would just laugh and say well if I get bored they'll eat me so I <laughs> you know there, there's no room for me to get put, you know that, that I have no and that you know there has never been one day that I have been bored
0: how has the job changed over the years?
1: Well, mainly with the technology, for sure. Uh, you know, back again, and I'm dating myself, but the old purple mimeographs where you run off and, the you know, that ammonia scent and everything, and that was the main way that you distributed materials uh, to your students. And now, of course, uh, Microsoft Teams and all sorts of uh digital ways to communicate with students and parents. So that is, that is truly the main way, uh, is, the, is the technology. Uh, the students have, um, so, you know, the personality types remain the same uh, overall. Uh, and But so I, I really would have to say it's technology.
0: Do you think these technological innovations have improved the educational experience for the students?
1: Uh, yes and no. I think that uh, it's a valuable tool to, um, to have a, a, in your toolbox, in your teaching toolbox, but you know, there is nothing. And if nothing, if the pandemic and last year has proved nothing else, it's proved the importance of in-person learning and a, and a relationship between a teacher and a student in the same classroom. There's just, uh, there, there's just no substitute for it.
0: Yeah, I took a, te- a, um, a seminar this summer um, through the University of Minnesota's language program, which is very good. And I remember one of the leaders of that program made the point of saying that the, the technology is there to support your pedagogy, not the other way around. Yeah. And I thought that was a very valuable comment.
1: I think it's very good. And, and now that I'm back in the classroom and, even like with assessments and, and quizzes and tests, I may do one part on the computer, but then I'll have them write out another part of it. Uh, I don't. Um, I'll, I'll combine the two for the assessments, which is working very well. But um, it's um, but yeah, there there's just no there's no there needs to be a combination of of techniques instead of. I, the digital teaching just by itself, you're you're lacking something, uh, and the in-person teaching, you can really and truly, I think you can get more out of in-person teaching than digital teaching. But again, a combination uh, that is the best. I had a student tell me one time, you know, you're old school, but just modern enough to make it interesting, and I appreciate that. And I was <laughs> like, okay, thanks. <laughs>
0: I think that was probably intended as a compliment.
1: I think so. Okay.
0: All right. I wanted to jump next to uh, 1995. You served as TFLTA president that year, uh, yes. the Tennessee Foreign Language Teaching Association. I know today that's a four-year commitment. Was it the same back then?
1: Well, it it was, but um, the one of the officers ahead of me resigned. So for me, it was a, instead of having a year and a half to put a, a conference together, I had like six months okay. and that, that was another, that, and it, and it went very well. Marty Abbott, who was, uh, uh, the she ended up being the secretary treasurer of ACTFL, the head of ACTFL for so many years. Right. She very, very graciously came at, you know, pretty much last minute invitation to be the speaker. And so, yeah. But it, it it you know those trips to Nashville there and back in one day on a Saturday, that 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 is a tough commitment to make for sure.
0: Yes, they uh, they are finally having those meetings on Zoom, I believe.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. Which
0: is probably not much consolation to Don Lafon in
1: 1995. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> you got up early, you got home late. It was that simple. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, I mean, that was. Must have been a, a difficult job being the president of that organization because, you know, you're first and foremost a Latin teacher, but when you have that sort of position, you're really an advocate for all the different languages. So yes. how, did, how did you manage that?
1: Well, and in fact, I even insisted uh, the year that the years that I was vice president and presidents, that's when we started having Japanese and um, China. Uh, asian language sessions too because that was just beginning to be taught in tennessee then and those those teachers uh needed to be in contact with each other one thing that i did um i started a poster contest which is still in existence till day about tennessee foreign language week and how to promote all languages taking all languages are are taking a, a foreign language or world language period um this was Right about you know we haven't always had it in uh, the state education system that you had to have two years of the same foreign language uh, for a long time uh, we said foreign languages then world languages were an elective and so um, it was and particularly you know in rural areas particularly um, sometimes it, it was hard to to get students to take. Uh, to take the, the courses. So we we just promoted it about I think the year that uh, I know my phrase was foreign languages, it's everyone's business because um, just trying to show how businesses uh, could use employees that were bilingual or trilingual, how what the job security was, uh, if you if you had if you could speak more than one language and how you know i mean it's it was it's so no secret um, how much money american businesses has lost for decades because they didn't have anyone who would speak the language of the host countries and this business got you know the the world is the world is a village now and so many more businesses are international than what um, what they were back then we were just beginning that back then so that's how we went about it from from the business Point of view, what would benefit the businesses in the state?
0: Yeah, we're as language teachers, we're certainly all competing for students, but at the end of the day, we're really in the same boat together, and we all really have to 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 embrace advocacy for our programs because, by and large, people think that what we do is not important.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the advocacy is the very best thing, and it's. Again, specifically with Latin uh, as far as, oh, well, why, why take Latin? You know, you're not gonna speak it, you're not gonna do that. Well, you are gonna speak it every day you, you, take, you speak English and you're gonna have a much, uh, large, a much more uh, unique and quite large vocabulary because you have had Latin. And that means if you have a large vocabulary in any book on success, you have a large vocabulary, it is a key to success because you're able to communicate exactly what you want to communicate. And you're able to understand what other people are trying to communicate with you. And grammar, regardless of the fact of how little it's taught, I have had people uh, in, you know, very high up in business uh, and in other areas. Tell I mean, nothing puts you forth as an educated person is this if you speak good grammar it's just that simple and with latin you have you know you you know your english grammar if you've taken latin so uh you know we have to be practical and we have to um just just lay it out there well here's how it's going to help you
0: okay so before we move on to our closing segment um you know, the, the one question I'm going to be asking everybody is really, how do we keep this thing going in terms of keeping Latin and American schools? Are, are you optimistic for the future or are you pessimistic?
1: Uh, I, I am optimistic. The, the thing that we have got to do is to connect it to science classes and to education classes. The AP uh, biology teacher at White Station, Dr. Madhu, who spoke at one of our Mm-hmm. tennessee junior classical league um conventions uh he he advises his people who are asking him how to succeed with ap biology he says take at least a year of latin because he said you know year he said latin students just are, deal with the vocabulary of science much better i've just seen it year in and year out uh and you know math too and and coding i the other day i was i was so excited because we're declining adjectives and we, we got to integer. And I was like, okay, so where have you seen this in math thinking about, you know, whole numbers and stuff. And one of my students said, well, I've seen it in my coding class too. And I was like, what? I said, what do you mean? And, and so, and and trust me, I I know nothing about coding, but it's evidently there's some strand that when you change it uh, from it, there's some interchange between numbers and letters and they call it an integer so uh it's um I mean th- that to me which is just utterly fascinating but it shows that you can um that that this foundation you have uh you can use all sorts of ways and uh I am um, years ago in one of my classes at University of Memphis when I was teaching there uh, they this young man he, for his project, he, he went, came up and he put a, you know, he put a coding segment on the board, he put an algebraic equation on the board, and he put some Latin words on the board, And he said, so what do these three things have in common, and I was looking at him too, and he goes, they're all languages, you know, and, and because, and I mean, you know, I've had, I had a former student who um, is, uh, I forget which social media company um, that she's employed by, I, I, I think it may be Facebook, I may be wrong about that, but she, she's fluent in Russian. And she said, she had four years of Latin in high school. She said, oh, trust me, Russian was no problem at all because I'd had Latin, you know. right. I'm sure you've had students come back like that, but even like um, if they've had Latin in high school, they they own if they take even if they take like spanish or french in college they own that classroom you know they're way ahead of everybody else definitely yeah
0: it's a certainly an interdisciplinary subject it's it's more than than just a language that's going to help them in a wide variety of areas and i i agree with you that we need to do Um, a better job of, of really making sure that current students, prospective students, parents, everybody in the educational community really realizes that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that is our job. You know, I, I am wherever you are, you know, are um, you just have to promote Latin and uh, let people know it's important. I am, you know, I, I, I tell everyone at my church, I tell the kids that, they have to take Latin. It's a rule. It's a church rule. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them have, (laughs) so. Okay. (laughs) Wow, it'll work.
0: (laughs) All right, so finally, last segment here, sex carissime re, six of your dearest things as a Latin teacher. So, number one, what is your favorite Latin textbook?
1: Well, I like, obviously, Latin for the New Millennium,
0: Good uh, answer, Don. <laughs>
1: yeah, good answer. But I, I, as far as a, I was looking at, too, I still cherish the Our Latin Heritage textbook series, but I, I do very much like the Our Latin for the New Millennium series. It, I think it combines the grammar technique with the reading comprehension and the oral teaching, you know, having oral Latin component in the classroom very well.
0: There's also that interesting combination of both classical and medieval Latin as well
1: evident, very much so, and, you know, again, you get into the, we don't, I think it's forgotten by all but just a few of us, but, you know, Latin was the language of science through the 1700s, and so there's a lot, I've been told even in the Library of Congress about scientific studies and everything in Latin, because that's what you, that's what you wrote it in, if you were dealing with scientific experiments and everything so we, we definitely need to make sure that people are aware of that
0: okay number two what is your favorite place to visit in Italy
1: um yeah when I saw that one I, I do love Rome I'm also very attached to Pompeii but I, I I will have to say Rome and like the Janiculum Hill the the suburbs more so I love the forum and everything is great but just to uh, the outskirts of Rome, I like the St. Paul outside the walls church and the Protestant cemetery uh, where Keats is buried, those areas. I, I really love them.
0: I hope travel to Rome is going to be possible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got, we can stand on the floor of the Colosseum now. I mean, you know, they, they have done that. So, right. I mean, we've all got to go back at least once so we can stand on the floor of the Colosseum and look up at the stands and imagine what it must have been like.
0: Okay, number three. What is your favorite work of classical literature, or your favorite classical author?
1: Well, this was a, this was a difficult decision too because I, I do love Virgil, and I love his um, I love the Aeneid particularly, uh, uh, and uh, but I'm real fond of Caesar since I've been teaching the you know De Bello Gallico so long, so I'd have to say it's kind of it's almost a tie Virgil okay. and Caesar.
0: Okay, number four. What is your favorite movie or TV program about the classical world?
1: Uh, ben Hur, without without a doubt, the 1959 version.
0: Yeah. Would you like to comment on the recent remake?
1: It's. I was sure it was not going to win any Academy Awards when I walked out of the theater. Yeah. <laughs> very so.
0: very diplomatic answer, Don. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree. You you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't mess with a classic, right? Yeah not not a film that was so good the first time around.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay, number 5, your favorite character in classical mythology.
1: Um this is again, you know, it's it, it was a really really hard one to to think about. With that it I, and I was this is kind of the hardest question I think. Um I for some reason, I guess as far as classical mythology who wouldn't like pegasus who wouldn't like to get be able to just you know be able to fly all over the the known world on the on the back of a beautiful white horse so i guess Pegasus. okay
0: great and finally your favorite latin expression
1: that one was easy docendo discore one learns by teaching i love that and i you know that's another reason i enjoy teaching so much is i'm constantly learning new things
0: well thank you so much for coming on the podcast on uh thank you so much for all the work you've done for our profession for the last um four four decades right
1: yeah yeah 44 you know, this is year 44 mm-hmm. so it's pat you know it's passed quickly but and it it's just been it's just been wonderful i i tell students it's a You know, not everyone can be a Latin teacher and that's the best job in the world, but I'm sure they may find something else that they like almost as well as I like teaching one.
0: Okay. Well, it's been a joy to talk to you today and I hope that we can see each other in person again sometime.
1: I do too.
0: (laughs) Sometime down the road, if the pandemic ever ends.
1: Look forward to it.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks, Dawn. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.